Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring our regular guest, two-time World Series champion, former Giants reliever, George Contos. Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy, so he's going to run things his way. And I'm sure with Farhan, they've had their discussions on what the best course of action is for the ball club. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Keynes Tire in San Rafael, the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, George, great to have you back. Uh, good morning. And, uh, man, this San Francisco Giants team, they have come up with some wild wins lately. They've beaten some really good teams we think about winning series against the Dodgers and the Astros and a team like the Brewers this past weekend. And I was watching some of those games, George, thinking that as good as the Giants have been and as many injuries as they've had, you could say they've had bad luck there. But they've been kind of a charmed team, too. <laughs> there have been some lucky moments like, you know, a right fielder not catching a ball, keeping the game going or, you know, a base runner not touching second on his way back to first. I guess those kind of things happen when things are going well for you. They absolutely do. I mean, throughout the course of the season, a lot of uh, a lot of goofy things can happen, and on, they can you, they can be on the good side for you, or they can be on the not so good side for you. And it seems like this uh, this giant squad really has everything working in its favor when when you're on the positive end of uh, little blimps like that happening. One thing that's been pointed out by Mike Kruko, and I totally agree is that the national media really isn't talking about the Giants very much. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I watch shows, and the Giants are definitely not the top team that they're talking about. They're always talking about the Dodgers and how they're going to catch the Giants and, you know, the moves they made. And, and granted, I mean, Max Scherzer, that's a great move, Trey Turner, all of that. But this team doesn't get talked about very much. And Evan Longoria, who's coming back soon for the Giants, he actually compared this Giants team to the 08 Rays team he was on that made the World Series, a team that didn't get talked about very much, you know, not that many superstars getting talked about every day. And he said that that this team, they set out to be this bulldog, grindy team, kind of the team that, you know, we like. I know I like it. It seems like you like the way this is set up, too. Yeah, this team has the type of DNA that I think we had when we were winning the, the championships that we won when I was a part of the team. Um, and, and to Evan's point about, you know, this team being compared to the, the 08 race team, you know, when you look at the Giants roster on paper and you're looking at just the names on the paper, they're all good names. But when you look at those same names, say, in the Dodgers lineup on paper, there are some names that stick out a little bit more. And, you know, you have a bunch of MVPs in that lineup, and you got a, a bunch of you know guys who, um, on paper, they look like they should go out and destroy their opposition all the time. And when the Giants step in between the white lines, they're the ones who are playing good, solid baseball, and that's, in my opinion, in the best place to be. That's how we were in 2012. Nobody expected us to go out and do what we did uh, when the Giants or the Dodgers made those trades with the Red Sox to get Adrian Gonzalez and Nick Punto and Josh Beckett. Um, they were supposed to walk away with everything, and we were just supposed to be left in the dust. And I think the fact that the Giants are in that situation and getting that type of um, media attention and thoughts their way I think is a, a great place to be because it doesn't put any pressure on you. It puts the pressure on everybody else who's behind you in the standing. So I think they're in a great position. They're playing great baseball. Uh, the, the offense has really started to come alive as well with the resurgence and coming back of Brandon Belt uh, in the lineup and the bullpen. 
Uh, you can't say enough about the job that they've done. They've really done a great job, and yesterday's off day, I think, was much needed for them for the amount of work they've put in in the last seven to ten games. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, they were really working hard, and, and uh, you know, you're really hoping for that off day to come soon with the way things were going. You know, getting back to what you were saying about 2012, I'll never forget. I was in the clubhouse the day that it came down that Melky Cabrera was going to be suspended. And here's a guy who was, you know, hitting over 300, one of the top hitters on the team. And that team proved to me that if you have depth, you can still win it all, even if you lose a star player. And that's kind of been the story of this season because players have gone out. I mean, we've been talking about Longo being out for a while. And you mentioned Brandon Belt. He just came back after being out for a while. A lot of teams couldn't survive losing players like that, but the Giants have. We've been seeing this word all over the city, and we've heard the word thrown out for all, for all season, basically, and it's, it's the word resilient. And I think that is such a great adjective uh, to describe this team because, you know, when someone's gone down, somebody else has, has stepped in and, and, and filled that role and, and, and carried the load and kept the team moving forward and chugging along. And you have to have that. You have to have that depth if you're going to be a team that doesn't just play well for a portion of the season or doesn't just hold first place for a few weeks. This team's been in first place for a hundred days almost, I think it is. Um, So it really is a a kudo to the guys on the roster who have done well and been healthy and and sustained their level of play, but also the depth that they've acquired. And they have a AAA that can step in and be plugged into the lineup and keep the train uh, moving down the track. So I think, you know, you really have to give, a lot of credit to the players for doing their job. You got to give credit to the uh, the coaching staff and Cap for keeping everybody in the right mentality. And then you know uh, Farhan and Scott Harris for putting all the uh, the pieces in the right places to make sure this thing uh, stays as efficient as it has been. You can only imagine what goes on emotionally for guys who did help out that got sent down, even though they're playing well, like a Steven Duggar or Estrada or, you know, Aaron Sanchez contributing, and then he gets DFA'd. I mean, Estrada was hitting over 300, and he goes down to the minor leagues, but there just isn't a roster spot for him. It's got to be tough mentally for those guys. It is tough mentally, but that's been part of the game forever. You know, we've all gone through it. I went through it a ton. I, I remember I got options out of spring training one year just because I had options. I had given up one run in 12 innings, and I got optioned, and and I get it. It's just part of the game. And when you're a good team and you're kind of the juggernaut in the league and, and you got a bunch of very good guys who, who either are on salary making a, a ton of uh, a ton of dough or, you know, they, they don't have options and you do. It's just part of the game. But, you know, September is going to roll around and these guys will be back. They'll be around for the postseason, whether whether they're on the roster or as reserves. So it's just part of the game. You know, you're, when you're in part of your career where you have the options or you're a minimum guy and, and that roster spot is needed. It's just kind of one of those things that happen, but over time you get rid of the options and the options game is kind of funny. You know, we've talked about it before, but when you have them, you don't want them. And there's for 99% of players there comes a time when they don't have any more and they wish they had one. You nailed it when the Giants acquired Bryant. Uh, we talked about it before. They actually acquired him, but you nailed it when you said that he would fit right in with the Giants, and he really has, and he's making a major impact. He's had clutch hits. He's got the power, and also he's making some spectacular plays over at third base. Bryant is so valuable because he plays all over the place. Uh, what have you thought so far about him, and is this really one of the key moves around Major League Baseball? I think it is one of the key moves, to be honest. I mean, KB is one of those guys where he's he's not a loud, boisterous guy. He's a fantastic player. 
Uh, obviously, he's a former MVP. He's, he's done a lot of things that were very special in the Cubs uniform. But I think his personality fits so well in with the, the group of guys that we have here in San Francisco because he, he doesn't have that big, that big you know, superstar kind of head. Um, you know what I mean? He comes and fits in. He's more, I describe him very much like a Brandon Crawford type guy. He comes to the ballpark every day. He works hard. He's not super outspoken. He's definitely talkative if you get him going. Uh, but he's not a guy who's going to just kind of come out and, you know, be, be a loud, big-talking guy. He's just going to show up every day. He wants to win. He's going to play hard. He's going to be a good teammate. And he's going to continue doing the same things in the lineup for the Giants that he did his whole career with the Cubs. So I think it, it was such a great move. And, um, you know, it, it's nice to see him step in right away in a big way, uh, the way he has done, and really give a jolt to this Giants lineup. Yeah, maybe it's something about being a star but not acting like one that really helps the overall attitude of the team. Because like you said, if you have a Bryant and you have a Crawford, I mean, these guys are legitimate all-stars, but they don't walk around acting like divas. And maybe maybe that's a major positive. I think it is. It, 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 that's the one thing about these Giants teams that, that I've been a part of and that we, we have this year is everyone is a selfless guy. No one is No one person is bigger than the team, and I think that is a huge key to success. Um, when, you, when you're playing on a team like that, you have to just put everything uh, for the team first. And we, we had our, our kind of mantras in the 2012 and 2014 teams, and, and this team has a lot of that same DNA. So it's really great to see everyone just doing whatever they can to help the team win that day. You mentioned the bullpen. Uh, you know, they've been going pretty well, and they were working a lot. And the rotation certainly has given us uh, some concern because when you have DeSclavani go out, with a dead arm, uh, you had some inconsistencies there with Webb and and Cueto and Gosman for sure. But Gosman seems to be pitching better now, and Logan Webb has really stepped up since he was on the IL. So it, it seems like they've sort of righted the ship. What do you think? I think they have, and and we talked about this th- throughout the course of the season, right? You're, the, the starting pitching has been so good the entire season and everyone has done a very, very good job in my opinion, but it was only a matter of time. It's inevitable that guys are going to falter. Guys are going to have a couple bad starts here and there. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong. It just means that these are the ups and downs of the season and it happens. And, you know, in golf terms, we say you kind of ham and egg it when you have a playing partner or something. One guy takes one hole, the other guy takes another hole and you ham and egg it to get through a round but that's what needs to be done throughout the course of a season between the pitching and the offense. The pitching was unbelievably good at the beginning of the year. It's been very, very good the whole year, but when the pitching has those couple of games that they falter or one turn or two turns through the rotation that don't quite go uh, as planned or as expected, that's when the offense kicks in and they score those six, seven runs a game to pick up the guys who are on the mound who are grinding and battling but just didn't have their best stuff. And I think that's what we've been seeing, and they've done such a great job of this season is picking each other up when the other one was kind of going through a little bit of a rut. Are you concerned at all about DiScafani and the, the dead arm? I'm sure that you went through that when you get into a season, you know, August, where you, your arm just doesn't feel 100%, uh, but we're not sure, you know, where he stands, you know, going on the IL and trying to you know, rest it a little bit to get rejuvenated. Uh, as long as there's nothing wrong and he's physically healthy, I'm not I'm not worried about it at all. I mean, dead arm is something that happens throughout the course of the season every year. You know, you go out there, you're healthy, the ball just doesn't seem like it's coming out the same, or the breaking balls aren't quite as crisp um, for a couple out. I mean, for me, it was for a couple outings or for whatever three, four, five outings, whatever. It didn't feel 
as good as it normally did. But as long as you're healthy, you can grind through that. And I expect that as long as uh, Tony D is, is feeling okay and there's nothing actually wrong, uh, he'll, he'll get past this. You know, sometimes you just need a little bit of treatment. You need to, like, long toss it out, maybe back off of the, the bullpens in between starts for a few uh in between starts for a few times through the through the turn. So there's a lot of things you can do to get out of that. And as long, like we said, as there's really nothing wrong, I, I see him kind of getting through this without an issue. All right, coming up, we'll talk to George about social media and Major League Baseball players right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415 415- 453-2942. That's 415-453-2942 for Kane's Tire. All right, I wanted to talk to you, George, about Major League Baseball players and social media, you know, especially Twitter, because you know, a lot of fans get involved in Twitter, and, of course, players in, can enjoy it, but there's a positive and negative to it. And the reason I'm bringing it up is uh, we just had this story about the Rockies fan who was yelling out, and uh, Marlins outfielder Lewis Brinson was at the plate, a black player, and many people thought that the fan was using the N-word. Turned out that the fan says that he was saying dinger uh, for the mascot there in Colorado, and after an investigation, that's what they have uh, come up with, is that he said dinger and wasn't using uh, a racist term. But it still brings about the fact that you know players do hear from fans in a poor way because Brinson... He came out and said, you know, he's been getting crude, hateful, racist messages with that word, the N-word, once or twice a month. And recently we had a Giants pitcher, Jay Jackson, who received racist tweets on social media after he had a rough outing. So, you know, there's a difference between being critical of a player and then getting personal with a player. And I know you have been involved with Twitter when you were a player and now afterwards. Tell us about some of the pluses and minuses. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm glad that that after the investigation, it, it came out that he, the the gentleman in Colorado, was trying to get the mascot's attention. I think that makes everyone feel a lot better, as opposed to really thinking that these things are are that obnoxious and embarrassing that happen at ballparks. Uh, which, which you know, it, it's terrible that these players of of uh, of color are going through that. That's just nobody deserves to go through that. But um, you know, I think social media is it's there. It's a you know two-headed animal um what i used to do it for and i'm still active on social media not quite as active as i was when i was a player but i think the whole point of it is to interact with fans or with people that don't know you personally and give them a little bit of an end to who you are what, what your brand is what you promote etc and i think it's such a great tool um that being said i think there are a lot of people to your point you know, like that get a little carried away with their, their analysis and being overly critical of bad outings. I remember an outing that I had in 2000, maybe 13. Um, I had given up the, we were playing the Washington nationals at AT AT&T park formally. And um, we were up six to five. I came in or we were up five, four. I came in, I gave up two runs. We're losing six to five. We come back and win the game seven to six. And, you know, nobody in the world felt worse than I did for giving up the runs, giving up the lead, et cetera. And I had, you know, you try not to check Twitter 
after those outings because you know that there are people who are going to have some not nice things to say. But I think a few people told me to go and jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. (laughs) And just, it's like, all right, calm down. It, It was a couple runs in a May game against the Nationals in 2013. Like, this is not going to knock on wood, make or break the season. But people have a lot of, uh, you know, the Twitter thumbs roll deep. People have a lot of confidence when there's a keyboard uh, in between them and the person they're talking about because I think a lot of these people would not have the same cojones to say some of these things to people's faces uh, because I think they probably worry about getting their teeth knocked out if they said some of these things uh, to, to people's faces. And, and I think that it, social media has the ability to definitely bring people together um, and interact with people you might not ever get to interact with. You know, I try to interact with, with the fans and people who tweet me as much as possible because it gives them a look as to, you know, who I am and what, you know, what kind of person I am, what kind of brand I'm trying to promote. Um, and I think that, unfortunately, with the good, there's also the bad, with people who feel like they can get away with saying um, some things that they probably shouldn't be saying. Seems like some fans happen to think that, players are robots like you know they're just going to always produce and and I don't know correct me if I'm wrong George but it seems like especially with relievers uh you know they can go six or seven outings not allowing a run and then that one game where they give up a couple of runs and the team loses or even if they come back and win but it's just those two runs like you said seems like there's a lot of focus on that one poor outing there is and you know what I think when you're when you're an athlete or when you're somebody who is in the public spotlight or an entertainer of some sort, I think you know that at some point this is going to happen. So you have a little bit thicker skin for it. I think most guys are, are kind of battle tested. You know, I'm using that in quotes, you know, battle tested enough to know that, um, you know, these things are going to happen when you have great games, people are going to, are going to love you and say some great supportive things. And, Oh my gosh, you're so good. And then if you have some bad games, those same exact people are going to say, you know what, you stink or, you know, get out of here. You should be DFA'd, whatever. Um, hopefully it's only things of that nature and nothing nothing worse because nobody deserves to, to hear that or be spoken to that way and people shouldn't talk that way. Um, but it's just kind of part of the game. And I think that uh, a lot of players, you know, choose to have their social media run by their agents or whatever and they put it out just kind of as a broad thing and don't really have interactions with fans, but some guys who do, it's just a very kind of very small line that, that it can go good or bad quickly. What about at the ballpark? Because we do hear hecklers, you know, sometimes if the stadium isn't filled up, you can really hear it on TV, but I can imagine being in the bullpen where you had fans close to you a lot of times that you could hear a lot of stuff. And like you said, you know, if it's something that somebody's being critical of you, you can deal with it with a thick skin. But if they start getting personal, doesn't that change it? I think it does change it. I mean, look, uh, look at the Ron Artest incident uh, of uh, back in the day when he was with the Pacers and somebody said some things and threw a beer at him and he went into the stands. And I don't think that guy was very happy to see how big Ron Artest actually is. And, you know, he shouldn't have done that. Obviously, that was an aggressive act. But, um, you know, you're kind of you're kind of. In, when you're a, a, a baseball player and you're on the field and when you're in the bullpen, you're almost kind of like enclosed at an enclosure where people, everyone's around you and everyone can think that they can do and say whatever they want. Um, so it, it's unfortunate. People, I think, should be a little bit more respectful. But when you're at a ball game and you're, you're indulging, you're having a few beers and people get uh, you know some, some liquid courage, a lot of times things uh, can go south a little bit. And Fortunately, there are a lot of people, security guards and, and, and police officers and 
people around who can take care of some of those things uh, before they turn into bigger problems as they have uh, a few times in the past. Did it, did it ever throw you off a little bit? I mean, whether you're in the bullpen or even on the mound, because, uh, you know, it, you can't really be deaf to it. I, I mean, it's got to be hard to completely shut off what people are yelling at you. Uh, on the mound in the game, you don't hear anything, really. Uh, or at least I didn't. I'm zoned in. Try- I was zoned in trying to do my job and, and execute pitches. But in the bullpen, you can definitely hear stuff. I mean, in Philadelphia, they are right on top of you, and they are not afraid to say pretty much anything. So wow. a lot of times in, in Philly, uh, they, they're notorious for being um, unbelievable smack talkers, to say the least. But uh, when people get out of hand, you know, all you can really do is grab a security guard, tell them, hey, this guy's out of here. And that's kind of the only way you can do it without taking matters into your own hands. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, golfers actually have it pretty good because it's expected that you don't say anything when the golfer is about to hit the ball. You're, you're just not supposed to. And if you do, you're going to get kicked out of there. But baseball and other sports, I mean, you know, fans can pretty much yell whatever they want, uh, you know, within reason and, and try to throw a player off. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think legitimate smack talk where, where you're trying to, you know, maybe mess with the player's head. I, I think that's actually funny sometimes because, you know, these guys are trying and most players are are mentally tough enough where they don't let that stuff uh, affect them or bother them. But I appreciate the effort from the fans as long as it stays within reason and it doesn't really cross any, uh, cross any lines of, you know, you really shouldn't have said something like that. All right, to finish up here, I just want to talk a little bit about the schedule because you can't let your guard down when you're playing a team like Arizona or Colorado. Certainly not. Uh, but then the schedule really gets rough if you want to just look at the records of the teams the Giants are playing because starting on Monday, they've got 19 games in a row, George, against contending teams. So it's going to be a challenge for the Giants to keep it going the way it has been, trying to hold off the Dodgers and everything. Uh, but they've been up to the challenge, it seems like, every time so far. They have. They, they've been doing great. The only time I think they left their foot off the gas, and not necessarily they took the team lightly, but it, you know, they, when, when, when Pittsburgh came in town, um, they had just played some great games against the Dodgers. They eked out a couple heartbreaking uh, for the Dodgers uh, at Dodger Stadium um, uh, against Kenley Jensen wins, and um, that one was the only one where I felt like, man, you, we really needed to win a couple of those games. But these guys come to the ballpark every day and they're ready to play. They don't take any team lightly. They are not in any, uh, in any way, I think, looking at Arizona and Colorado coming up as, as oh, we got these in the bag. You know, you got to show up, you got to play the game, you got to play better than the other team. So I think that their uh, understanding of that, and that's the level of baseball you're going to see, the, the first place baseball, best team in baseball um, effort on the field that we've seen all season. All right, George. Hey, thanks a lot. Look forward to seeing you in the studio. You're in there this week, right? I am. Yeah, I'm in here this week. I got Arizona and Colorado. Awesome. All right. Good job in there, and uh, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Sounds good, Joe. Thanks. That's former Giants relief pitcher George Contos. Join us again next week for another edition of Inside China Basin. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.